0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you are like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, you have to try Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute up to seven days in advance. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now.
1: I need supports
0: to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello, and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com, and joining me in the studio... He doesn't have time! It's Andy Greenwald. I don't have time for what? You're binging. Like You're like, oh, I don't have time to oh, finish to get show the show properly. To get on the horse? <laughs> <Yeah>. What's <laughs> up, man? Monday, it's The Watch, Ringer Podcast Network... All the greatest podcasts in human history are located on this podcast I think network. That's Black proof. on the air with Larry Wilmore. This is provable. This is true. Binge mode with Mallory and Jason, our co-host of Talk the Thrones. Talk the Thrones is a show that we do on Twitter on mm-hmm. Sunday nights after the East Coast airing. One of left, Thrones. and there is one left. Last night, shout out to Tim Simons, man.
1: Tim Simons, great guest. Tim Good Simons guy. was
0: awesome last night. You can watch the you know you can watch that episode of Talk the Thrones anytime you want. It's available on uh, Andy, my Twitter, Chris Ryan seventy seven at Andy Greenwald at ringer yeah very available just carve Sup- out some time super avail um we're going to talk a lot about game of thrones today we're going to talk about life with thrones and then we're going to talk a little bit about life after thrones and a little bit of a fall tv preview for whatever that really means anymore unlike
1: daenerys chris we believe in having a stable succession plan <laughs> for our coverage <laughs> sure what if something happens to me who comes in to host it well i think we all know it's katie nolan but uh, yeah uh i got a question for you before we start yeah sure you in or out on this eclipse? We just went outside for a
0: little bit. I yeah. thought it was
1: pretty cool. Uh, what, did, what did
0: you see? I didn't see much. I, I Amanda Dobbins had a home-fashioned oh, eclipse I, viewing box. I
1: wouldn't trust that.
0: Made by the renowned uh, optometrist, Dr. Zachary Barron.
1: Yeah, can I just say, this? you remember in Calvin and Hobbes comics when Calvin would take a box and be like, it's yeah. a time machine now? <laughs> That's what that sounds like yeah. to me
0: um so this might be you know the sequel to primer for all i know uh i should go bet on on the tournament but no i i I think it's cool like i i think i love natural phenomenons
1: you do yeah man since when name another natural phenomenon you like
0: um yeah what's another one that happens i
1: don't know i'm
0: oh northern lights like i'd love to see that before i die never seen those are you dying soon this is
1: the second time you've foreshadowed
0: um what else do i love like everything else is kind of
1: dangerous, right? So is this. Chris, let me tell it's you something. It's not
0: dangerous, man. I'm don't look at the sun. Just but the light was different. Did it not seem different?
1: Let me tell you something. I'm out on eclipses. Okay. I'm out. The floor is yours. Let me tell you why. Okay. I don't understand them. Not like in a magnets, how do they work sense? <laughs> but like literally <laughs> I've been old I've been alive long enough for there to have been other eclipses. Yeah. And every time everyone gets excited, they're handed out glasses. By the way, have never been handed a pair of glasses. So maybe I'm salty about that. Maybe I don't hang out at the right libraries. But everyone's saying, you got to be careful. It's going to be exciting, but you got to be careful. It's going to get dark, but not too dark. You can't look at the sky for two minutes or maybe 20 minutes. Be consistent with your messaging right. here, right? Because right. I, don't un- I literally don't understand what happened. I thought the world was going to get dark. And oh, so, you thought
0: it was going to be nighttime for a view for minutes. like
1: three minutes. Oh, that's cool. I fully thought that. Yeah, that's
0: my that science would be my level. shit. Actually, can I tell you that one of my favorite low key B movies is Thirty Days of Night. Yes, Josh Hartnett. Sure, I would love to Based check on a that out. Good. That's comic actually book. my wife wants to do that for her fortieth birthday.
1: She wants to go to a vampire infested <laughs> Arctic. Observatory? No. That's She wild. wants to
0: experience permanent night. You two like... Weird shit. Of, <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. First of all, you two like doing like haunted hayrides, so you're already beyond the pale for me. Yeah. I want you to know, we're recording this Monday morning, I was late today. Do you want to know why I was late? I pulled over safely and went into a coffee shop because I thought the lights were going to get turned out on planet Earth. And I was going to get in a car accident. You or,
0: there's like totally an explainer that would have told you you
1: didn't have to do I, that. There's too much to look at on the internet. Here's another thing.
0: You sound like Larry David right Here's now. another
1: thing. <laughs> I'm old now. It's okay. I've, I've earned it. Here's another thing. Could I? Do you want me to really sound like Larry David? <laughs> I did not look at the sky. Just full stop. A little bit feel like my vision is fading. Yeah. A little I bit feel like I scorched my corneas. I did look Cornians. a couple
0: of times yeah. up. And I was just like, that's not that bad. And now I feel like I have a weird spot in my left eye. But I think yes. it's because we're talking about it's it. It's because we're talking about yeah. it. It's so let's the stop pa- talking about
1: power it. Power of suggestion. Let's talk about. Listen, Earth, things are weird enough right now. Stop blotting out the sun. Okay, yeah. I guess I should have addressed that to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth didn't do it.
0: Now, no you one sound like Larry David
1: as Kyrie Irving. <laughs> no one listens to this podcast for our hot science. Concepcion had the
0: best best suggestions. Like we have to interview Kyrie Irving yeah.
1: about the clips. How did today go for him?
0: Uh, I don't know. He's been, he's been quiet. Jason or Kyrie? Well, either. I, I'm not in contact with uh, Kyrie Irving. Um, let's talk about Game of Thrones. I feel like this is a weird one for us because.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh. One thing that I never thought this show is going to have a hard time was was with the ending. And I now I know. I'm revising that opinion in a way that I I kind of wish this show would just go on for 15 years. Because that's what I think they kind of need to do. And I think what I'm realizing is that, you know, as a as a, and and I really the the book versus non-book is is not the most interesting debate for me, but what I do respect about what the books did and what people you know, like understand about the history of this world is that this is one story mm-hmm. of many stories that have, being, or have been told. And I obviously like, a lot of things are coming to a head in this particular narrative. But the idea that there could have been – And when Tyrion was talking to D- Danny about like succession and mm-hmm. this might not even be finished in your lifetime, I thought it was sort of ironic because it does feel like the show is a r- s- little – you're rushing a little bit. You're rushing. You're not dragging. You're rushing. A little bit. And it's like they aren't listening to their own character's advice, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the work might go on for a long time. Now, I'm not suggesting that Benioff and White should have passed this off to other showrunners if mm-hmm. they, weren't, they didn't want to stay, stay doing it. I, I can only imagine if you've put this much time into one project, you want to be the one who finishes
1: it. And then you want to move on to making an alternative history about the Civil War. Right, yeah. Because so, what could be more fun? Because
0: what could be more fun? Right, exactly. So it's very strange to watch this show, yada yada, mm-hmm. its way to a conclusion, which we could still be proven wrong but, is the case. There might have some huge you know, twist coming or something. I don't know. But it doesn't feel that way.
1: There will be great things to come. As with all epic television shows, but none has ever been as epic as this. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be a lot of rewarding things to come next week, hopefully, and then certainly whenever we get this final season. This is sort of my default thing about um, all TV shows, but I, and I never actually thought I would apply it to Game of Thrones. But, but here we are. Mm-hmm. To end a television show, to end a successful television show, is one of the hardest things that you can that you can do. Not coal mining hard, but in the realm of working in Hollywood, it's very hard um, because. Th- one of the reasons why we love TV shows, certainly open-ended TV shows, is because our, part of our investment is the belief that this show could go anywhere. It could tell the story we most want to tell. That we are being taken on a journey by people who we now trust, who could lead us to some magical and exciting places. And you know, Game of Thrones has taken us to places, s- story-wise, that we have thrilled that we were thrilled by. A finale is when they say, "No, the ride's over now. The Ferris wheel is slowing down, mm-hmm. and this is It, it is what it's going to be now." And it's finite. And there is no more of that imbuing it with our own expectation in an exciting way. And so for all the conversation about how when this series ends, HBO is, you know, um, gestating like five or six potential spinoffs or prequels. Yeah, Jane
0: Goldman talked a little bit about the one that she is working on over the weekend. There was an interview with her in IGN, I think. In,
1: which... in Carly, Carly Ray from Mad Men and the Leftovers is working on one. Brian Cogman, uh, executive producer now of Game of Thrones, is working on one, I think, with George R. R. Martin. There will be more in this world. But one thing to remember is in when you think about it and you think about the rich tapestry and text that George R. R. Martin has created, something that we have learned about through Jason and Mallory and are continually awed and intimidated by on a weekly basis as we learn about it, um, this show, Benioff and Weiss's show, is just one version of a story from that world. Yeah. It is in many ways their story now because they've chosen a way to end it. And so we said this in the room last night. We didn't say it on the air. Talk to Thrones weirdly, surprisingly, and not even that low-key anymore, who won the week, who won the season, I think, is George R.R. R. Martin. So, and the reason for that, I, I'm as shocked
0: as anyone sitting in this room of the three of us. Z, Z, Zach Mack is probably...
1: Do you think anyone else snuck in the room just while wa- we started? watching
0: snowboard YouTubes while we're talking. <laughs> um... I was always kind of under the impression, just because I, I'm a big fan of Benioff's writing, yeah. and Weiss's writing, like, but I was like, Martin's holding them back. Yes,
1: we all f- if, we if, we if thought if that only they
0: could drop some of this this stuff, this baggage, and like they would just do some the cool. Like, I underrated, and this is really like a more of like a, I, I'm 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 mea culpa. I underrated how important the uh, blueprints were mm-hmm. to this building because. The stuff that's happening now, and I, I'm very unclear, and I don't think we actually, it's, it's been made particularly public about what Martin's involvement is with the plotting of the show at this point. I, I don't know the, what that is. The,
1: the general um, perception is that when he was more involved, which has been a number of seasons now, he gave them outlines. He gave them loose outlines. We, we know, the last, I think the last thing we know verbatim was the Hodor. Okay. Which... But by the way, um, in Winds of Winter, you know, we agree was the best episode maybe in the show's history. But I would say The Door, that was the last episode that was both jaw-dropping and gut-punching in the way that the show um, had often been. Yeah. And it's interesting to note that that was the last one that Martin – we know, we can confirm he gave them that.
0: Yeah, so I I think he probably, in the broadest of strokes, is like, here are the five things I know are going to happen. Let's Mm -hmm. just say, like, speculatively Mm – I bet he's like. Here's the broadest of outlines. Some of this stuff I haven't filled in yet. Mm-hmm. Some of this stuff I know they have to do this. John Some Snow of this stuff I don't care if you guys do this differently than the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Some of the things like I really need you. We're only going to make this show once. I need you to do this this way. But what's really bothering me, I think, and what's bothering a lot of fans is the fact that you have entire seasons, seemingly entire seasons of two characters getting to know each other on a walk mm-hmm. for a whole time, like a long walk. Think about
1: Jorah and Tyrion's think boat Think about Brienne
0: and Jamie. Yeah. You know, think about the amount of work that goes into, you know, the adventure that they have as they journey. Mm-hmm. They were going to um, King's Landing. King's Landing. Right. The fact that now you have what happened last night, which is seven guys, or apparently 26 guys, because every time somebody needed to get killed by a white, it was another dude named, like, Brian. Who that we'd never no, seen before. before.
1: Probably spelled in a cool way, though. Brian!
0: <laughs> B-R-I-U-N or something. Um, they're on this like rock in the middle of a frozen lake for God knows how long. Aside from realistically, like would they freeze to death? Where's their food? As as Tim Simons pointed out, what's the bathroom protocol? As, you know, that was
1: low on my list of concerns.
0: Gendry runs back to Eastwatch.
1: Mm-hmm. Just runs, runs. Without stopping.
0: Without stopping. We don't
1: know how long they've been out there.
0: Communicates, they get the Raven. Get the maester, get the raven, get the raven down to Dragonstone Dragon. Danny's like, cool, I have a- the
1: perfect outfit Yo, they, for this mission. They got the 5G raven, you know yeah. what I mean? There was not like 128K. <laughs> right.
0: Danny's no net on neutrality Dragons. for ravens. Tyrion's like, don't. She's like, gotta. And they go, and then they get back up there and find the exact rock that they're in, mm-hmm. they're on. At the exact like, moment. At the exact moment. They do all this stuff. There is like, I guess you could say John was like fighting off whites that could have like jumped on the dragon. But he definitely seemed to go along with Jason Concepcion's John Wants to Die theory. Very much so. Definitely seemed like he was like, I don't really want to leave this rock. I don't want to keep doing this. I
1: want to go let the Night King kill me or I kill him.
0: Yes. Like, I want to get this over with. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a funny image to think about in terms of our showrunners. Yep. And then uh, the Night King chooses to throw a javelin way farther than when Drogon is like right in front of him. Mm-hmm. He throws it at...
1: He's flexing. Viserion. Vis- yeah.
0: And then... uh. Yeah, and then like that that basically that. And then they go they get they get back to uh Eastwatch and then and then like it's a wrap like everything is Well, okay. then they get
1: on a boat. I don't know who stayed on the dragon. Side note, the night king has ice javelins. could mm-hmm. Couldn't you just thrown 3 at the rock instead of just watching them? I yeah. I mean, <laughs> here's here to that question. Questions like that are super annoying, and they yeah, are. There's super... also a lot
0: of self-sacrifice on the part of whites. Like they could have just built a human bridge under that thing. It was yeah. like not like the water was
1: the thing that. Was... He, he, here's the thing: questions like what we're saying, yeah. like nit, picking nits like this, is an incredibly annoying way to watch television or engage with art.
0: Yeah. And however, no, no, and, and, and however, can I just finish though? Because to summarize, the the, the, the summary is the joke I made in the beginning of the episode. The thing that wraps all of this up is the Benjamin thing. Which right. is Benjen, who br- was brought back last season mm-hmm. to guide Bran and Mira, had like a pretty cool send off, but like obviously was probably not he, done in this. Said world. he wasn't done. Yeah, and then comes back at the exact right moment to give John a horse. John's like, "Let's get out of here," and he's like, "There's no time." There was time. There was time. Plenty of time. I don't think Benjen was going to be like the difference between a horse with Benjen and John <laughs> no. on it. Like we already know, John's short. Like, also,
1: Benjen's dead. He doesn't eat. How much does he weigh?
0: Yeah. So what is it, it that kind of stuff didn't happen in the first few seasons
1: he, but here's 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 the conclusion of my thought i think that this is a very annoying way to watch television watch game of thrones to engage with art however if people are asking these questions you're losing yeah you and i this is a bedrock belief that we have in terms of our engagement with with art with books movies tv things that we really care about we don't really care about who done it? Why they done it? You know, it, it it the the details. I mean, we we joke all the time about James Crumley, one of our favorite novelists, who should be in the Double Down Book Club sometime. I don't know what happens in those books, and I've read them five times. No. I don't care. Yeah. It's about the characters. It's about the vibe. It's about the overall experience reading this book. This the the show failed, I think, enormously last night. You know. And and opinion of the episode seems to be split, and there were good things in it. But I think one of the reasons why our reaction to it and people who watched Talk of Thrones could tell that the energy was different was really, the reason why I think we were really shaken up wasn't because it was so awful. I mean, it wasn't, no. it wasn't that things were outright bad. It's that it was bad in a way that had never really happened with Game of Thrones, which is last week's episode in retrospect had a lot of problems and, and, and was a particularly weak episode at Eastwatch. As the week went on, you know, I arrived last night to the studio thinking, I I don't know if they're going to – this is going to be good or if they're going to pull this off because all of the all of the pre-hype for the episode – and this this was borne out by the episode – seemed to be setting up one that was going to engage us on a gut emotional level, a, a dramatic action scene, characters we love in peril, maybe losing some characters. There would be some an characters. enormous
0: sacrifice out there that was like yes. – and I think actually and, I'm glad nobody died because it was such a, such a stupid plan.
1: That's my say That's what I'm saying. I, all of it. The rug was pulled out from under it before it even started. Because why? Why were it, was any of this happening? It is an idiotic, pointless plan. It. They don't need Cersei. They don't need to have an example of a dead person. I guess they needed to have an, an action adventure scene this season. They needed to, or as we learned in the, the the last scene, it was all you know contrivance. So John would agree to bend the knee again. I don't understand why he would do that in that moment. They seem to be getting along just fine and seem to have agreed to be allies. And as Jason said, propose marriage, which is a more strategic way to, to have an alliance without bending any knees. Um, although John does like to, sorry, I'll, I'll leave those jokes to Jason. Um, and, and for Daenerys to see the threat, right? Mm-hmm. But all of that is seems so minor compared to the outrageous plot contrivances to get there. And it starts to feel to me that, they were struggling with the end game. We thought that there was so much plot left that we would just be inundated with it this season and then, you know, flooded with it next season in these shortened seasons where everyone was coming together. But, in fact, it feels like they were grasping a little bit. And it's a huge bummer to me that an epic beyond-the-wall adventure featuring these characters that we really do love, um, it, it feels tainted and sour because of it, you know? It... And, and this is all, without even getting into the way that this sort of, um, I don't know whether it's rushed or just everything feeling awfully convenient in an unnatural way. And I feel like it's okay to say unnatural when you've lived with characters for six or seven sure. years. The 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 Aria stuff, where we have someone who is a beloved character, you know, even to Mallory, certainly. She was very upset about this in in the watch room and then on on our show, behaving fully like a different person in order to create... Uh, drama in Winterfell, in order to advance the Sansa and Littlefinger plot, mm-hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't work. And so, to bring things full circle, we were talking about why why George R. R. Martin probably won the week. You and I, as TV watchers first and foremost, were like, "Great! They can now drop this heavy baggage that at times felt like they were weighing them down, and they can just tell us a, a sharp, direct, singular story to wrap this up." In fact, you, you refer to the blueprints, it it feels now like what Benioff and Weiss were exceptionally skilled at was navigating, getting through a building in an efficient way that they had the plans for. Now, they still have those skills. Some of the scene work was really good between those characters out beyond the wall. Some of the dialogue was really good. But they don't have the blueprints anymore.
0: Yeah. And this is, this is an indication about, we talk about IP all the time to probably an annoying extent, but... This is one of the really m- more unique and interesting examples of adapting something from another medium and watching how the 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 machinations and the in- industry behind television has just a completely different um, set of demands than a, a work of literature does. Mm-hmm. He's not even going to be done this story with this book that he isn't or yeah. isn't writing. You know, this – these two books that he's working on, maybe two, I, maybe, maybe, more. maybe more, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened if they had said Game of Thrones is going to run for 12 seasons. I don't know if they would have been able to retain the character, the, the actors that they had. Yes. I don't know how they would have dealt with people like literally getting old yeah. on the show. I don't know whether or not anyone who works on that show would be like, I'm going to dedicate basically the majority of my professional life to this one story. Yeah, uh, and, and I and don't and know, know whether or not they would have had... Um, a little bit of, I think, you know, I don't know whether or not, I'm not an expert about Walking Dead's ratings, but I think part of the reason why there's been some attrition in that story is that it's no end in sight, right? Like that they're just mm-hmm. on the road here. AMC has been pretty candid about like, this is, this is our business. This
1: runs forever and we can always replace the characters. This, and we
0: can always replace the characters. I, I admired it, it like a year ago. I was like, this is cool. Like they know the story they're going to tell and they're going to tell for it. Which? For Game of Thrones. For Game of Thrones. And now I'm like, you guys are rushing it you're you're basically wrapping up something that people love in a way that they aren't in love with and yeah. it would have been very and now i'm kind of like if you guys didn't want to do it maybe you should have thought of your own succession plan and maybe it's weird why is hbo publicly developing five spin-offs for a show that they could have just been like look why don't you you guys don't want to Take a year off. Well, do whatever you got to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's They're let's developing it this publicly
1: out. for their shareholders who are like, how are we going to replace the most popular show in the history right. of the world? Um, that, that, that's, that's just like – I think that's more about Wall Street than about any creative decisions, sure. although they've invested in very creative people. Um, I also think that there is a code and it keeps people working with HBO and it keeps people sweet in, in terms of a corporate culture – where they're like, we trust you. you. You you got did this for us, so we will let you finish the story. It's their
0: story to tell, right.
1: Yes, and and I think that the, the lines have never been starker as to whose story this is as opposed to, you know, this being... We, we've gone in three, a span of three weeks being like, I can't believe how George Martin must feel to have these guys basically grab the ball from him and then reverse dunk on the other mm-hmm. hoop, basically, with his ball, his, his game, to being like, oh, he might have the last laugh here because he can tell a much more expansive and patient story and it might be better i mean i don't know we haven't read it but it it's it's very strange and and it's a lot of the things that we are criticizing now i think we were very i mean three weeks ago i said i thought the show was beyond criticism because it felt like it was on a track to just pay off pay off pay off pay off it we appear to be on a very different track than the one i expected you know i thought that for example, this season was going to deal with the Lannisters and King's Landing because they were, and I think this is a legitimate concern, uh, fearful of having an entire season versus pure evil, which is not a, show, a note the show usually struck. But not just that, but pure evil that is CGI because that does not feel as compelling. Like Cersei Lannister is a much more interesting villain than the Night King. Right. Now, when I said that to Jason last night, he rightfully said, then do the work to make the Night King interesting. They've had one flashback to 20,000 years ago. And maybe, maybe if he is the villain next season, we'll have more of it um, to give him a point of view mm-hmm. or at least something. Um, but so, if it still could be that Cersei bites it this week, that very well could happen. We are headed to a you know something that feels major because a lot of what has been anticipated in these last few seasons is getting these characters who have never met together, and we are now headed towards what must have been the circled item on their whiteboard when they sat down to break the season. How they got there, they weren't sure. But they wanted to end the season in King's Landing, in the dragon pit, with all the major characters together for the first time. Yeah, On paper, on a whiteboard, that's exciting and worthy. But I don't know if that's what we want to see anymore. It may be a misread, because as interesting as it will be to have Cersei and Tyrion, Cersei and Daenerys, Cersei and Jon Snow all in the same room, if they're all in the same room for a ridiculous reason... Is it I, still have value? I,
0: I think that also y- y- we want to be surprised. And I think that we do want to be not only surprised, but um, the one thing that this show has done very well is not repeat itself, which is interesting because so much of it is about history and things happening and know, breaking the wheel. Br- the wheel of this idea. But one of the things that was a little disappointing for me last night watching the show was that I felt like it was basically a combination of the Lou train battle and Hard It was Mm -hmm. essentially a lot of this. There was similar shots. I think Tim actually pointed out there were some similar shots that were just like hard home. And I I know that that was supposed to be to some extent the for John probably like this is happening again. I am again in a just hellish Mm -hmm. nightmare. I don't want to do this anymore. And then the dragon saves the day thing kind of had a little bit of a dulled effect because we've seen it three weeks ago. And the fact that, you know, when we were watching Loot Train Battle, before before we knew that was what it was called, I remember my heart pounding and I was like, this is how Jamie's gonna die. Yes. Right. This is amazing. This is, and this is like really cool that Jamie's gonna, Jamie thinks he's gonna King Slay again and that's how he's gonna die. And that's, inc- this is gonna be incredible. And then that was when, even though it was exciting, that was when I knew something was off, was when he lived through that. He got knocked into the deep water, and we were like, Oh, is Jamie alive? And he pops up, and Embron it, it, and saves him. So and the same thing last night with like Thoros, too bad. Now that means Beric can't be brought back to life unless Melisandre comes back or something. But essentially, like, if you go into a situation like that and you come back with 6 of your 7 major guys mm-hmm. like congratulations successful
1: road trip yeah you're here i feel like we about, like your tahoe trip last week yeah i mean like if <laughs> everyone, the everyone i know the came cowboys back cowboys
0: and like 6 of 7 i like i i think that that was a w you know, Absolutely. And, and, and let, that, but that's not what should have happened.
1: Let, let's I also didn't remember want to die, but he
0: should have died
1: in that scene. Yes. Cause they set it that up that way. It shouldn't be that easy in a way, you know, it, but also,
0: and I can't help but feel like he lived so that he can have a, a reunion with Brian.
1: It's interesting, which is a completely fan service thing that right. was invented basically by improv on set. Um, well, actually that's actually an argument in favor of TV because they can always a TV show. Sometimes good things come that way just from random, you know, something clicking in the moment. But it's interesting. You're talking about something that happened two weeks ago. the salute train battle, which though terribly named, was absolutely exhilarating, top-notch all around. Storytelling, execution, filmmaking. Um, and we're only two weeks removed from that. The show can still do that. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, we are not out yeah, in any way. Of course not. But it's interesting that you note, for as much as you loved it, that that was a moment when you felt something was starting to bend in a different direction. Because since then, we've certainly been a little bit more critical, and the show has definitely lagged in a lot of ways. Um, the difference for me between—the reason why last night felt um, empty in comparison to Home and Loot Train—Loot Train, we had people we cared about on both sides. Mm-hmm. Worst case, even if you didn't care about Bron and Jamie, which I think most people do, there were human characters— uh, you know, a member of the Mets starting rotation, which made me definitely <laughs> root against them in a very savage way. Yeah, yeah. But that is different to see Spears cut through people, even if they're just red shirts or people, or literally red cloaks or people we don't care about, is different to me than CGI zombies, yeah, whom I don't care about. You know, in Hard Home, we were given a few moments to meet the humans that were suddenly turned into whites. You remember the the mother uh, of the small child who then turned? I mean, that that was what made the episode so disturbing and haunting was the is it, it, the humanity of it in this it was a pointless battle versus a zero opponent and everyone survived mm-hmm. you know I, that's a very different thing like the charitably a devil's advocate argument could be made that they are saving all these characters and again I do think some people are going to die this week uh, in ways we didn't expect the show is still good at pulling the rug out from under us like that and I, and I would be shocked if Littlefinger makes it to the last season but who knows That said, it's cool to have a lot of your good characters for the last run. I mean, that will be fun if Tormund is able to fight at the end, if Jorah is still there. I mean, these are people that are fun to watch, great actors, great characters, great history you've shared with them. But it does bring up this idea that I can't believe I'm saying again, which is it's kind of like the Americans. (laughs) Are you kidding me, right? No, for this reason. The Americans, (laughs) as one of us believes— Uh-huh. Like Game of Thrones is one of the great dramas on television. Like Game of Thrones, the Americans got a two-season renewal, final season to finish its story. And then with its penultimate season, the Americans completely punted and delivered a outright disappointing, if not bad, season of television in which nothing really happened at all Mm -hmm. of note, in which water was tread for 12 hours. And then the only argument you could make was, well, they were saving everything for the end. Yeah,
0: and the, the difference and, is that the Americans doesn't kind of get marketed to us as it's Super Bowl Sunday every Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are many differences. <laughs> yeah. But I just mean – it, it's it, Alan Sepinwall made that point with the Americans throughout because he's, you know, he pays attention to this on, a, on such a granular level. And he said he, he was thinking that it is often dangerous when showrunners are given two final seasons because they clear their throats for one of them mm. as opposed to the feeling of we just got to make this its own thing. We've got to get through what we got to get through and have it stand alone. Um, I never thought that would apply to Game of Thrones. I, I still don't know if it does. I still think the show, if not, it's not critic-proof, but it is completely its own thing, and sure. it's hard to compare yeah. to other other endeavors. Um, it's in, hard to be in, transcendent all the time. In, in the end, when the show exists as it will for the majority of its life cycle and as a constant bulwark in HBO or AT&T or whoever owns its corporate strategy, mm-hmm. it will be a uh, 73 episode, 73-chapter um, epic story. And when people blaze through it, I will be very curious if they're like, well, the quality really dipped around 66. Like
0: the way people talk about The Wire. Or 67. Like yeah, right.
1: Or it's just like, great. Because there are still people, you know, and maybe some of our listeners, it'll be interesting to hear, who are just like, that was dope. Yeah. Because, yo. There are people who are like, yo, a dragon fought a zombie. This is this is awesome. Also, there's an ice dragon now. Right. And – We didn't, we gave, if we gave that short shrift on our show last night, it's because Mallory has been telling us that was going to happen. I can't believe she was right about that. That's crazy. And then it really happened. And when I'm watching it, I was just thinking, oh, well, Mallory was right, not I can't believe what I'm watching. (laughs) So maybe we've been binging, binge moding too much. But (laughs) it, this is not the conversation I was expecting to be having. Me neither. Heading into the the season finale of the penultimate season of Game of Thrones.
0: Uh, That was an extended conversation about Game of Thrones. So let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and then come back with a quick conversation about what we're looking forward to once Game of Thrones ends. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Stitch Fix. If you're like a lot of guys, you could probably think of a million things you'd rather be doing than shopping for clothes. Between the parking and the crowds at the mall and the endless browsing and lack of advice online... It's enough to make you want to rock the same t-shirt and jeans forever, but you can't. So let me tell you about Stitch Fix Men. They've reimagined how to find and buy clothes, and you never even have to leave the house. It's that easy. Just go to stitchfix.com and tell them your sizes, your favorite types of clothes, and how much you want to spend. Your personal stylist then gets to work handpicking new clothes for you based on your style and budget. Five items are delivered right to your door. You try them on at home, and you only pay for what you keep. Shipping is free both ways, so anything you don't want, just send it back, and exchanges are always free, too. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whenever you feel like it, and there's no subscription required. It's easy. The shipping is free. Why not give it a try? I promise you will be hooked. Get started now at stitchfix.com watch, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com watch to get started today. Stitchfix.com watch. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by Proper Cloth. Finding a dress shirt that fits is hard something is always off thankfully ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with proper cloth at propercloth.com you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds just by answering 10 simple questions not to mention you can choose from over 20 collar styles 10 cuff styles and 500 fabric styles from classic to business to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing, so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. Best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free. This is the future of shirts. These shirts are made completely custom for you and start at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash BS today. Enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Do it today. Andy, we're back. Um,
1: Did we ever leave?
0: No, we, we're, we've been here the whole time. I Can I bring up something really quickly that just really bothered me? This is a this free weekend? space. This is... Going to be very random, and I just want to. I want to do one thing here. I love it. I need. I need to call out James Murphy, and in in I also kind of want to just. Sean Fantasy brought this to my attention. I, we've had a semi summer long on and off debate involving Kevin Clark about my take
1: in the Office. This is.
0: that Trompe Lamond is the best Pixies album.
1: Well, why don't you bring me in on these takes? Do you agree with me? No, that's crazy.
0: And so James Murphy also agrees with me, agrees with those, does not agree with me. James
1: Murphy from LCD Sound System does or does not agree with
0: me? He's hit the interview trail this week to just kind of get out, get out there and promote LCD's return. Mm -hmm. and. He's He made a comment in the New York Times. That's funny because
1: that guy doesn't like promoting that often.
0: Uh, Troplemon isn't better than Surfer Rosa, but it's bigger. He's talking about how like bands as they go on, you get bigger and bigger, but they get worse. And he didn't want that to Did happen. Did you ask him this question? No, this, jo- Joe Coscarelli asked him this in the Times.
1: Did he ask him that question because you wanted to know? Well, I'm just curious if the Pixies connection seems a little tenuous. Well, I just
0: it seemed odd. And Sean was like, here, like, check me. And I was just like, you know, I okay. But I, I feel like this is like, it's not a popular opinion. Uh-huh. And, I, and I'm not necessarily like, guess what? Like, I have some pretty sick music takes. Oh Yeah? Yeah. Like, some pretty good ones. You, <laughs> but you wanna, you want drop it better any than Surfer Rosa right is a very, like, it's just a personal taste thing. What,
1: why is Doolittle This not is in a this, really what, dumb what, podcast what, topic. Why is Doolittle not in the conversation? Uh, I don't know. Doolittle is the best Pixies album.
0: Trompelmans the best Pixies album. Go track for track. It is d- definitely the best Pixies album.
1: <laughs> First of all, as much as I respect your takes... <laughs> The arguing style of no, no, okay. <laughs> go track by track. <laughs> guys, this is what if we were record reviews that were like, guys, this album is really good. Go listen to Isn't it. Isn't
0: that what record reviews are now? I don't I,
1: know. I, I guess so.
0: Um, so that that really got my goat over the weekend. Um,
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to drop some fire LCD sound system take. Like, how do you feel about bands breaking up in Madison Square Garden and being like, oh, I don't psych? care.
0: Everything is performance now. It's fine. You guys can do whatever you want.
1: Wow, everything is performance now. <laughs> Including this podcast.
0: Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So that's just, I, I would be curious to know what the population of Tromplemonde Island is. I know I, it's me and Kevin. Oh, Kevin agrees with you? Yeah, Kevin Clark agrees with me.
1: Are we going to do a Pixies pod? Right now? I mean, we are. No, I mean, look, w- w- this is a different podcast to do and I look forward to doing it. But about when you talk about classic, classic bands, mm-hmm. like classic indie bands, yeah. talk about Pixies. Talk about Pavement. Talk about R.E.M. I know I'm mixing yeah, decades yeah, yeah. here. But at this point in the culture, these bones are so picked over that it's almost, they've almost refreshed themselves in some way. And to talk about them now, about bands that people like us, there's a, there's a commonality between the people we're talking about here when we talk about these albums, certainly in age. Uh, it reminds me of when 10 years ago or 20 years ago, we discovered like Robert Altman or movies in the 70s. And what I mean is, we are past the point of saying, this is good. I like all of this. And now it becomes holding up the one that you think is the best and what that says about you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I will tell you that I think the best Robert Altman movie is The Long Goodbye or California Split. I'm probably wrong. Yeah. But at this point, it's more about defining myself through my pick. And I feel the same way about R.E.M. or the Pixies. Like, if I say... Um, Murmur or Life's Rich Pageant is the best R.E.M. album. It doesn't mean I don't think Fables isn't good. I don't understand that Automatic for the People is probably perfect in all the ways necessary for a canonical debate. I just mean this is my thing. Sure. And here's the argument I want to make. Well, so I've... similarly, Doolittle is the Pixies I like best right. because that was the tape that a girl I really liked gave me and it had Debaser on it. And then everything after Everybody that was has just a story like that. glory.
0: Yeah. I bring all this up actually uh it's just it's worth mentioning that it's South Week on theRinger.com.
1: Well Pixie's a famous Southern band. <laughs> and there's probably You're no greater
0: troubadours of the South than the Pixies. No. <laughs> Hannah oversaw this great uh package that we're doing this week mm-hmm. on The Ringer and uh we we kicked things off this week with a uh Southern rap album ranking list. And that,
1: I wrote a couple of entries. That's wild that you 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 guys put yourselves out on like this.
0: Yes, as a as a Philadelphian, it's it was, it was definitely I was like I guess like here's my take. Can I like, can I say
1: something to the to our listeners? Chris isn't even from South Philadelphia. No, I'm Chris not. is from West Philadelphia, yeah. born and raised.
0: <laughs> no, I'm from uh, I'm from a little little ha- a little tucked in neighborhood called Fairmount.
1: Well, no, I, I know I've been to your childhood home, <laughs> just so everyone knows this is real. We're not. No, this is. But but you're from the western edge of the city. Yeah. Not Overbrook, not Will Smith. No, no. That's where the Pixies are from.
0: This list was, I mean, I don't think that this list is that controversial in its top end. So like Aquemini, Outcast, number one. UGK, Riding Dirty, number two. I voted for that for sure. Voted for both of these. Juvenile, 400 Degrees, number three. Uh... And then, you know, you start getting a lot of the Lil Wayne, the Carter Three. There's no debate about a lot of these. Trap Music, number five by T.I., Thug Motivation 101, number six. Another I, I, Outcast I, at number I, seven. I, I would
1: put Jeezy higher. Would you? Jeezy means a lot
0: the, to but, me. Yeah, Jeezy means a lot to me, too. The two records I wrote about were... Uh, also,
1: like, the Carter Three. Loki is not a perfect record. Like, it, that was the anointing moment coming off of yeah, it was the, the mixtapes.
0: It was the bow on top of all that the squad and the squad... Mixtapes and the Wayne Gangster Girls. But tapes. there's some
1: very bad songs on that album.
0: Yeah, there's bad songs on every album. There's bad songs Not on true. Do Little.
1: No <laughs> bad songs on Ecclemani. There are bad songs on Trump Lamont, Lunatic. <laughs>
0: um but yeah, I was just I was this is a great list and people should check it out. I wrote about Three Six Mafia's underground volume one.
1: Mm, uh, that, um, that's right in your
0: wheelhouse. Well I do like Three Six Mafia a lot, but I think they were just really important, which was can, the more important thing to to, to talk I, about. Can
1: I ask you why speaking on a day when we all uh, had a eclipse, mm. if you will? Why Lord Willen and not hell hath no fury? The votes, man. Everybody voted. Oh, what? But this is a democracy now? You couldn't come in and like just George Bush the button? No, man.
0: Bit? No. I, 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 the Philadelphians don't have voting. You, you know, respect we, we the process? We can't,
1: we can't upend a South. Did actual Southern, Southerners in the office get two votes?
0: No, we didn't do it like that. We didn't do it like that. But the one thing that I did throw on here that I, I just wanted to bring up was, um, was Rich Boy because I know we both... This is very interesting to me. Really, really liked Rich Boy, his self-titled 2007 Interscope album uh, made number 18 at the list. Um,
1: now, I would, if, if you were just asking me, if, the, if Rich Boy's Throw Some D's remix mm-hmm. featuring Andre 3000, featuring the greatest verse ever from Murphy Lee, <laughs> featuring Jim <laughs> Jones, King Jim of Jones New York. Great, yeah. I would say that song should be number one on your albums list. Like, yeah. there, there's a few things in life Southern like. Southern rap
0: singles probably would have taken us uh, six years to to hash out the voting.
1: But you want to talk about this particular, this is a full record. Yeah. The full record you put on here.
0: It's because it was basically Listen a to tribute this. to can Polo I, the Don. Can I
1: quote you? Rich boy was a canvas. Polo the Don was the painter. Mm. And who was the wordsmith? <laughs> Chris Black Francis Ryan.
0: Um... People should check out this list. People should check out the entire uh, South package, uh, especially Victor Luckerson's piece that ran on Friday about Charlottesville and um, Confederate monuments that uh, we're, we're really proud of. Which
1: piece. is really interesting because I believe was he he was working on that piece before. Yeah.
0: So he became on you know
1: the he, news took over. Uncannily
0: timely, obviously. Yeah. Um, we before we get out of here, wanted to talk a little bit about life after Thrones. So what? We're looking forward to TV wise, and you know we're going off of a bunch of different guides that are available widely online. But I wanted to kind of, you know, one thing I I, I got to say for myself. I'll start off if you want.
1: Who who among us can speak for more than just ourselves? Um, Especially after the f- here's a very impor- fire of your takes. A very
0: important day for me. Okay. Um, not only because I will not be in the country, so I will I will miss this. But were I to be in the country, <laughs> I would be blocking yeah. out a lot of time on Sunday, September seventeenth. Okay. Ask me why.
1: Oh, sorry. I was ready to move on, frankly. <laughs> You're not even going to be in the country. Katie Nolan and I have a lot of shows to do, to bank, just to get through the month. Ask uh, me
0: why I'm excited for Sunday, what, September 17th. Chris,
1: Chris, why are you excited?
0: At 8 p.m., Ken Burns' The Vietnam War airs on PBS. Wow. And I'm I'm really, really ready for this. I'm ready for the deep dive. I'm ready for the like immersive experience of a Ken Burns documentary. For sure. I cried at his national parks documentary. Wow. I straight up was like, this is a beautiful thing in America. Wow. That the that that like people got in station wagons and went to go you know, they still do it, but
1: well, like Yeah, but now they go to like restock the water bottle machines because they're illegal in national parks again. <laughs> but let's not make this about politics. So at
0: eight PM Vietnam War comes on, very heavy. It's gonna be it's gonna be quite a quite a journey for all of us. It's
1: interesting because you, Chris. My good friend, whose home I've been to in the past, You are, have always been uh, fired up by this era, in yeah, terms of the storytelling of from the era. of course. Um, You're big Tim O'Brien guy, Dennis Johnson guy. Yeah. So I'll be curious, as a fan of the fiction that this war has inspired. Yeah. How you feel about, and you know, yeah. you the immersive
0: best and the brightest, you know, it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. we will do that too.
1: That's exciting. That's um, not what I expected you to say.
0: So after that, you're going to need a little bit of a palate cleanser. You can't go to bed thinking about Ken Burns, Vietnam. War. Oh, this is a
1: big night for you. It's, it doesn't end at 8 PM no. or 9 PM.
0: Dessert is served at 10 30 PM. Yeah. That's when vice principals is on. This is, I can't say that I was necessarily uh-huh. anticipating this show. hmm. Six weeks ago. Seven weeks ago.
1: <laughs> what changed? I know what changed. Every
0: Sunday, yep. we gather mm-hmm. here at the Ringer, and we, we get into a small little room that is both over air-conditioned and overheated.
1: With our good friends like T-Pain and <laughs> yeah Jonah Ryan from Veep.
0: <laughs> and every week, they run a vice principals teaser.
1: We have right before.
0: And you and I laugh out loud <laughs> so, every so goddamn hard. week. So loud. <laughs> I can't even say that I really thought Vice Principal Season 1 was that no, good. No, it really wasn't. They shot this season, like, right with that yeah, season. Yeah, they just banged like, it out two years ago. But I, for some reason, I'm so ready for Vice Principals. Yeah. I'm so excited. The commercial is so good. Yeah. And just like last night, the the ad they did with him doing the, um, the automatic chair lift that goes up and down the <laughs> stairs and Busy Phillips yelling at him, and I was like... Yeah, this is what I want. I'm here for this. So I'm ready for the Alpha and the Omega. I'm ready for the Vietnam War documentary, followed
1: by Vice Principal Season Two. That's great. Look at what look what you did. You made a beautiful night for yourself that you actually won't be a part of. That
0: I will be <laughs> I will be jet lagged in Frankfurt or something. You, you
1: will you will just be cracking open a fresh tin of bocarones somewhere. So
0: Greenwald, what are you looking forward to?
1: I here here's the thing that people have to, to remember. The fall season, the fall used to be the time that we all like, okay, we had our crazy summers playing stickball in the park or whatever like athletic youths did when they weren't staring into the sun during solar eclipses. And we would get together and we would watch new things and we would get excited about new shows and fall in love with them. That era is really gone, although the broadcast networks still go through the charade all the time. We lose this collective feeling after next week. Game of Thrones is, I believe, our last consensus show and not just because we literally watch it together and do a show about it. So when I tell you that my number one most excited for show this fall is Top of the Lake China Girl, <laughs> I can hear the crickets.
0: I, people make fun of me for saying colon.
1: Yeah. Top, of, top the of the colon Lake China, China girl,
0: girl, it feels
1: like you should be like top of the lake. Just take a beat. It sounds like I'm pra- like top of the lake to you, China Girl. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like I'm both <laughs> old fashioned and racist.
0: Yeah. It's not a comma. Yeah. yeah.
1: Great point. How about Top of the Lake 2? It is the sequel to what I heralded.
0: Also, Jane Campion, next time just ask for notes. How about Top of the Lake, Never Give Up? (laughs) Oh, that's good.
1: (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Is that the Jack Reacher one? Never Going Back or whatever? Okay, look. From my perch, my lofty perch, as the television critic at Granlin.com, I proclaimed you know Top what, you of the Lake. You don't
0: have to dine out on that. You could just say, just tell me what you
1: think I had now. a perch. Okay. I said it was the best yeah, show of the right. year and I stand yeah. by it yeah. in 2013. A <laughs> uh, miniseries starring America's Sweetheart Elizabeth Moss, d- written and directed by Jane Campion. Yeah. So weird, so incredible, so immersive, weirdly funny, deeply unsettling, unlike anything else in television. And it didn't need a sequel. It didn't, the expanded Top <laughs> of the Lake universe was uh, you know, not necessarily a, a rich IP playground. Yeah. But, they wanted to make more TV together and they brought along Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Brianna of Tarth, not on this show, I should note, as far as I know, and uh, Nicole Kidman, TV Quite MVP a year all of a sudden.
0: Quite a year for Nicole.
1: And why not? I, this, you know, my greatest sadness will be when Twin Peaks goes away and I'm sorry we haven't talked about it. Chris needs to catch up. Um, I think it's been absolutely masterful. Last night was incredible. Um, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that David Bowie's character returns as a talking Life-size tea kettle. <laughs> Did not make that up. That's real. Um, Top of the Lake fills that kind of like, I don't know what this is going to be vibe. And I'm very excited for it. You and I are both, moving on, you and I are both excited about The Deuce. Yes. Coming on HBO. We've, We've seen a bunch some of it.
0: special Deuce content coming from people.
1: The Deuce is terrific. Yeah. People should get excited. It really is good. It's really engaging. I'm excited to see where that goes. We have, we'll have we have a special guest to talk about it's it next Maggie week. It's
0: Maggie Gyllenhaal season. That's all I'm saying. You've always been riding She's for her. She's just a force of nature in this show. She's really, really good
1: uh, I'm excited for Curb Your Enthusiasm to come back just Me so too. I can just crib my lifestyle from a cranky. <laughs> this is clip. What? What's up with this? And then finally, I have just two, two comedies are coming back. Two of the best comedies on television are coming back this fall. On Wednesday, September 6th, The You're the Worst, mm-hmm. return to a fourth season on FXX. We're going to have a special guest to talk about that um, next week, I believe, or the week after. Uh, I've seen the season premiere. It's really terrific. The show... Continually challenges itself to keep it fresh while keeping it within this idea of of the, the the central couple as the focus of the show. They're not; it's not about them dating other people. But it, they've written themselves into another corner, and judging by the season premiere, they've jumped out of that corner in an exciting way. And then the good place comes back. Oh, awesome! How did we never really circled back to that? Did, did you not? Did you finish the? Oh season? yeah, totally. It was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. It comes back uh, Wednesday, September 20th. People, if you like good TV, and I don't mean just comedies, if you like dramas, if you liked uh, – look, if you just like good TV, this show hits all boxes in It's also very easy to get
0: through if you miss the season. So just, you can just jam it out.
1: Yeah. I really think it's worth watching the whole season to see what TV is – what you can still do with TV on a broad, broad – I really hope Adam Scott comes back. Broad, broad, broad canvas. I feel like Adam Scott is generally a veil. You know what I mean? Like, he just so you don't, like, we didn't talk about this. I talked about it with David Wayne. I, he's in the, Wet
0: Hot America Summer, yeah. But
1: he's in the new Wet Hot series. He plays Bradley Cooper's character. Yeah. And he's in, like, six scenes, and he's just hanging out. He just wants to hang. His new show of all the, we didn't mention a single new broadcast show. His new comedy with Craig Robinson is called The X-Files Ghosted. thing,
0: yeah, right. Or not the X-Files, but it's, like, kind
1: of like It's X-Files. like a comedic X-Files. Mm-hmm. That's the only one where I'm like, that could be fun. Yeah. Isn't that weird? An entire quarter of the industry. I'm like,
0: eh. That's because everybody's clearing out for Narcos. Nobody wants to step on its toes. Can I tell people what I said?
1: I thought Narcos premiered a month ago. <laughs> I just thought it was just on. That's why
0: I was shouting about it? Yeah. No, you'll know when Narcos premieres. Trust me. I'll,
1: I'll feel bring it. Your, my, bring your earmuffs. All right. Uh,
0: Greenwald and I will be back Thursday. Yeah, Check us out.
1: If you're coming to our live Largo show, I believe it's sold out now, but if you're in LA, we look forward to seeing you Wednesday night for a live Talk to Thrones with special guests. Can we say the guests? Go for it. We have... Yvonne Orji, who plays Molly on Insecure, one of my current favorite shows, is going to be in the building with yeah. us at Largo. And an old friend. The Zooks. Tormund Menzukas, <laughs> Giant's Bane. We can't quit each other. The wildling of Largo. We're so excited. Yeah. Uh, I, I think for that. I think he's going to give people a finger. I do. I think he's going to do it this time.
0: <laughs> we got Jason... Yvonne, uh, we've got – that's on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Then we have Sunday night, the final talk the Thrones. It'll probably be a long one. Join us on Twitter after the East Coast airing of the Game of Thrones finale, which is like 900 minutes long, so I can't wait. Uh, until then, see you
1: Thursday. I'll see you Thursday, friend. Later, brother. Great job, redsky <laughs>
0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Things change, the weather changes, your mood definitely changes, so why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to, because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear while knowing you'll score a great price and a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app today to find seriously amazing deals now.